Rolling. We're rolling. So who here likes a Bunnings sausage sizzle? Uh, yeah. Not me. Oh, you oh, don't. Yeah, do, you like, do you like bread? <laughs> I do no sausage. I, always, I, like, <laughs> I like the smell. You're listening to Behind the Clipboard. Event experts empowering you to throw killer events for your business, workplace, social circle and beyond. We're giving you the Insider Toolkit, allowing you to make your events the talk of the town. Produced by Known Associates Events, it's time to go backstage with your hosts, Tamara Cook, Crystal Thane and Melissa Howie. Okay, mm. that's good. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you like a sausage sizzle or you like to smell a sausage sizzle, <laughs> get excited. Today we're going to be talking about fundraising events, ranging from small afternoon teas and bunning sausage sizzles to big black tie extravaganzas and everything in between. Probably not going to go into much detail about bunning sausage sizzles. I, but I may. I, I like going. I can't <laughs> promise that I won't. If I, I wish I had a dollar for every time we brought up bunning sausage sizzle <laughs> or just a sausage sizzle in general in this podcast. It's kind of like our go-to example of like a small event that people cut their teeth on. Yeah, and then either scale up or that's just where they never stay. do it again. Yeah. <laughs> so some of the things we're going to talk about today are what we mean when we refer to an event as a fundraiser, um, ingredients for a successful fundraising event. The fundraising mechanisms. Oh my god! <laughs> it's like I've got a sausage in my mouth. <laughs> the fundraising mechanisms used at events and super exciting topic: the legalities of fundraising. Mm. Important topic. Though. Important though, yes, super very exciting. Important. Tam, tell us what we mean when we say an event is a fundraiser. Well, basically, it's an event that's being held with the main objective to raise money for a chosen cause. That's it. Let's mm-hmm. go in a nutshell. In a sausage shell. Shell. <laughs> Mel, are there reasons, so like charities are like the really obvious one, are there other reasons people would be fundraising that's not necessarily a charity as such? Yeah, so it may not always be for a charity. Uh, It could be raising money for the local school, a community group or a community cause, like someone's house is burnt down and, or, you know, someone's child has a terrible form of cancer, they're fundraising to support that family, that individual and churches as well is another common one. And my gym does a fundraiser every now and then just to send one of the fighters off to, you know, interstate to compete in something. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a topic that's pretty close to Mel and mine's heart. Um, it's what we do day in, day out. But what are some of the fundraising mechanisms used at events, Mel? Ticket money profits. However, I think it's worth noting <laughs> that these days not a lot of profit is made on tickets. There's not a lot of margin. It usually just covers the expenses if it's like a sit-down meal with alcohol. Yes. I think you've done a really good job if you break even. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Your ticket sales. Yeah. So then it really rests on the activities you do at the event to raise the money for the cause. Correct. Can I just add one more thing about the ticket sales? Sure. It's actually, it opened my eyes because I didn't work in a charity space before and I was guilty of this, which is, ha ha ha, I'm going to a ball for XYZ charity. My $300 is totally going straight to the charity. It is not, people. I know. People don't realise that the logistics and all the things that go into putting in an event is sucked up by that yes, fee, yeah. that ticket fee. It costs a lot of money. That ticket fee often, as you said, barely covers food, drink, entertainment. Mm. Correct. And staging. People really underestimate how audio-visual. much audiovisual costs in a massive ballroom, honestly. To make sure that everybody can see what's going on alone, you need four screens, I think minimum. I like the side screens <laughs> as well. <laughs> That's you true know, in a big room, yeah. And those, you know, fixed costs, splitting those between everybody in the room, that really adds up as well. Anyway, rant over. Yeah, I know. Well, I was like, we're going to rant about this. <laughs> Other things you can do at the event to raise money can include raffles, 
um, major auction and silent auction. So for people who don't know the difference, silent auction is generally smaller value items that people bid on silently. Yeah. So you <laughs> either have a bid sheet or yeah. more commonly now electronic ballots. Yep. And then major auction is live in the room. People are putting their hands up. You've got an auctioneer. It's loud and fast and exciting things. Um, there was one we were talking about, Mel and I, when we were preparing for this episode, which was wine walls. And I'd never really seen what that was. What is that, Mel? We've done a wine wall yeah, before. We've together. done one. That's why yeah. I know what it yeah, is. Yeah, I didn't know what it was. Tell me. So basically you get a number of wineries to donate a small amount of wine. So it might be one, two, five cases each. And then when you combine it all, you've got hundreds of bottles of wine. So you go, you can either buy a ticket to win. Basically like a lucky dip. Like you spend the same amount and buy a ticket and you could end up with... So you spend $100, you could end up with a $50 case or you could oh, end up right. with a $500 case. That's right, yeah. So you could get any sort of value from your... The adult lucky dip. Yes. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I think that's fun and interesting because I'd yeah. never really heard of that before. Um, other things you can do at your event is sort of a pledge moment or just straight donations, mm-hmm. which again is very common in charities. So there's usually some sort of... Um, we pull at the heartstrings and then we politely ask you to pledge your support. Yeah, and that's kind of a nice one, I think, when you can really paint a picture of what they're going to be supporting and they really feel moved, moved mm-hmm. enough to say, yeah, I want to put up $1,500 to help that sick child yeah, exactly. specifically. And often it's treading the fine line between pulling at heartstrings and not going too far at like the expense of the person that's in the pledge moment. Mm. Yeah, you don't want to ruin the mood. Yeah, well, that's the other thing as well. Um, But I think the most important thing in a pledge moment or to collect donations is really clearly articulating how much money buys what for the charity. And quite often, though, the community-led small family fundraisers they do, it's very clear we need $100,000 for this surgery for this child. Yeah, or for this machine or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, correct. And that can often really, really um, touch people and mo- motivate them and move them enough. And and quite often in communities, you'll find little little suburbs will get together, little communities will get together and really bandy around somebody that because they know them yeah. or they know the part of the family or they know the grandma or whatever. And they'll really, really feel quite compassionate and driven to raise more money than you, we could get out of a charity ball sometimes. It's yeah, just, yeah. totally. And because I think people, it's more of a one-off donation, whereas with a charity, you kind of know they're going to come back and hit you up again <laughs> or it's an annual event. Or, <laughs> we sure are. You know, whereas these things are usually once-off, like such-and-such had surgery or had an accident overseas, help us pay to fly them home. You yes. Know? Yeah. It's all very tangible. Like, what, yeah. like even though you're donating, you still can see what the money is going directly towards. Yeah. I actually um, had a personal experience of this. I work at a charity, so fundraising I do a lot of. But my second cousin lives in um, Northern Territory. He had a ter- terrible accident. He works as a landscaper. A lawnmower cut off both his legs. Oh, God. So they did a fundraising fundraising page through, I think, Everyday Hero or GoFundMe to buy him his prosthetic legs to help him get back on his feet. Wow. And it, obviously it spread like wildfire through the country communities because that was – and before I knew it, people I know in New Zealand were donating on the pledge page. My – Ex's next door neighbour in Albany <laughs> was donating. You know, it was really amazing to it see. It is actually amazing to see how communities do band together yeah. in the um, face of sort of a tragedy or an accident. Because and I think there's a clear story. Yeah. I think that's really important in fundraising is to have a clear narrative or story about where the money's going, who physically is going to reap the rewards of this donation. Yeah, transparency, super important. Mm-hmm. 
Um, other mechanisms. This one's one of my favourites because it's close to my heart. It's fine money. So <laughs> the event I work on is a cycling event and, you know, all in good fun. Mm. We basically just fine people the whole week for silly things. You drop your drink bottle off your bike, fine. Because it started around safety. So the message yeah. was very good. Um, sometimes, I think I used to get fined for just like leaving my keys somewhere else and asking everyone where my keys were. I love it. That's yeah. a really fun, clever yeah. way yeah, to do it. Yeah, it's fun. Because everyone wants to dob somebody else and in. And it oh. forms part of the entertainment at each night's dinner. It's actually, it's really entertaining. There's a separate fines presentation every night. And then love it, it. It's it adds to the atmosphere of the event overall yeah. because at night you're like, right, what, what are they going to sting me for? Or like if you do something <laughs> during the day, you're like, I hope no one saw that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is I, often what I'm doing. I would constantly hide <laughs> stupid shit I do. <laughs> and so how do you, how do you um, – Collect the money. Well, we've gone full tech. So obviously we take cash, but we also take FPOS too. F-Pos so we take FPOS <laughs> machines with us on the road. So on the night. Oh, yeah. On straight the spot up. Fine. Absolutely. Every, every night. Yep. Yep. Okay. And straight into the straight charity into bank, ta- yep. bank yep. account. And for example, like we can raise like just off that week alone for fines, like 10 grand. Wow. Yeah. There's some naughty, naughty cyclists. Yeah. <laughs> some well-off cyclists yeah. too. And they know in their heart that it's for the charity. So I think, you know, if we're just finding them like good fun for lols, yeah. I think they wouldn't want to pay. But because they know it's going back into the charity, they're like, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, and also cool. they do it based on – they're a very close group so they know who can afford what. So my favourite story is um, one of the particularly well-off participants of this event missed the bus to Albany and took a helicopter instead. <gasps> they find him so hard. They find him <laughs> the cost of the helicopter, which I think is funny and completely fair. <laughs> and because he's like such a good sport, he thought it was hilarious yeah. and paid up without. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that is good. I but like it. You also see fine money at sporting, like football. Yeah, I think races. it probably started from like football club type sculpture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say football yeah. players do it to each other all the time. Yeah. And I think the equivalent of this probably at um, quiz nights is they'll charge, you know, you make a donation and get a cheap pass, get an answer for a quiz. Yeah, we went to a quiz night a few weeks ago and I'd never seen that before, but I thought it was so cool. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. So, you know, you're, they're asking questions, you know, some answers and then on your table there's little cards that say um, $5 to cheat this question. So you just mm-hmm. give it to the quiz master and you pay five bucks. And it goes yeah. five, ten, twenty. So the more cheats you have, the more it costs you. Yeah. Right. Cool. Mm, yep. Kind of like buying yourself out of jail in Monopoly. Correct. That's yeah. exactly what it is. So another one um, which can be seen at quiz nights and corporate events is matched giving. So often a company will host an event and say, whatever we raise here tonight with the guests, the company is going to match that. Dollar for dollar. Yeah. Which is awesome. We love those times. Yes. <laughs> we do. We love the people that do that. Uh, this is a popular one in is it November mm-hmm. every year. The Melbourne Cup sweepstakes. Obviously, it doesn't have to be Melbourne Cup, but sweepstakes are really popular at events. And betting in general, I think. I think it's just an Australian cultural thing. Yeah. Just anything. I'll bet you on that. (laughs) That it will or won't happen. (laughs) And then you can sell product, which has already been donated. So, a lot of events will run a cash bar that has had the product donated. So, that's pure profit. Um, This is, again, ties in with the bunny sausage sizzle. (laughs) Yeah. Cake stalls is the, a good school equivalent of that and the Cadbury drives where they sell chocolates. Do they still do bake sales? Yeah. 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 I just... It's baked goods. Don't sound so disappointed. I know. I was well, like, what? Well, I, I fake it. So what? I'll go and buy... <laughs> oh, right. Because you're a mother now. I was like, what do you mean? Why are you so sad? Yeah, no, because I was like asking Tam because she's got school-aged kids. <laughs> yeah, but I just kind of go to Coles and then I put everything up on a... Well, <laughs> package it up on a plate and <laughs> then glad wrap look it what, and go, look what Tam made. <laughs> The coal, that looks like the Coles mud cake. What are you talking about? Yeah, I don't know what you mean. Now the truth comes out. <laughs> um, Who's got time? Not me. No. Sorry. 
<laughs> I know a lot of beautiful mothers do have time and I love you for it and my kids love you for it because they get freshly baked goods. Um, here at Behind the Clipboard, we love baked goods. so Feel free to send us any that uh, are left over from bake sales. Yes, bring it. Um, peer-to-peer fundraising is another fundraising mechanism. So that is often with sporting events as well. So what we mean by that is people participating in, say, their HPF run for a reason and going out to their friends, their family, saying, look, I'm going to run 12 kilometres. Can you sponsor me, donate? sort of thing i did the funny story about the hbf run for a reason i did it one year i've only done it once what am i saying <laughs> i've only done it once and i did the 12k and i don't know why like i don't run if you know me go you i've only ever done the 4k i was like i reckon i don't need to train i think i'm fit enough oh my god <laughs> i trained for the 4k <laughs> <laughs> so i did the 12k because i was like four is not it's not far enough like mm-hmm. i thought i'll do 12 I've never thought I was going to die as much as I did as running through the tunnel because it's really claustrophobic and it just feels really, really long. Can imagine. Yeah. And then I think we're at about, you know, when you get through to the crown, half the algorithm. I don't know because I only did the oh, 4K. Yeah. So, ha- <laughs> so about halfway point, you end up sort of near crown. Half our group jumped the fence to go get beers. I'm like, that's a pretty good <gasps> idea. But I kept on running because I was running for a good cause. Right. Yeah. But were you still going to make the money for the cause if you got a beer? Probably. Well, yeah, because you already still <laughs> have to do the third party. F- uh, ooh, fine. Yeah, I think definitely. we should find Tam because her phone beeped during recording. Oops, oopsie. Um, and a really popular thing we've been seeing a lot lately in terms of fundraising mechanisms, things like challenges. So at the moment we've got the push-up challenge happening for mental health. I think it's something crazy like 3,128 push-ups in a month. Wow. Yeah. Or shaving your head. You know, a lot of the cancer charities do that to fundraise. Or the ice bucket challenge, which went around recently. Yeah. And also that's um, another good example of being quite visible and transparent with why you're fundraising. Like something like shaving your head is something that people going through cancer treatment experience. So it sort of aligns a bit better with why you're raising the money. The reason these ones work is because they're very visual. They're easily yeah. put on social media. So it can become, in inverted commas, viral. Oh, yeah. And yeah, everyone wants to have a go and get on board. Unfortunate thing is not everyone donates by doing it, but they should be. Yeah. And yeah. hopefully... The majority of people do. And that's the thing you should definitely keep in mind is just because something has a lot of, um, it has gone viral, it doesn't actually mean it's raised heaps of money. In saying that though, I didn't think the Ice Bucket Challenge raised that much money. And I went to the fundraising conference the fun, uh, for FIA last year and the head of ALS spoke about that challenge at the event and it still raised something crazy like $25 million. Wow, that's yeah, great. I had no idea. And I was going to say the important thing to keep in mind about that in terms of fundraising is I'm guessing the expense was quite low. Yeah, because it was viral People and doing social. doing videos, yeah. Exactly. Mm. So the, the last one related to events that you can do with fundraising is post-event follow-up. So you might have a pretty subtle push for fundraising at the actual event, but then you, you use that... Um, goodwill that you've established at the event to then build on that and send the guests something following the event to donate. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. I know that's one of the hardest things for charities to get is regular donors, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you want to really do um, some sort of magical push. <laughs> that didn't come out right. You have to be quite, <laughs> um, you have to be quite creative, I think, these days because people are just a lot more savvy and are getting are very used to being asked for money, basically, by all different charities and different causes. So... You, know, you have to be a more, bit more clever with your approach rather than straight out asking for money. Maybe be like, thank you so much for coming. We hope you had a great time. If you enjoyed your time, we would love you for you to make a pledge in the name of blah. Yeah, keep yeah. making a difference. Yeah. So we're about to bake a cake, Tam, for your bake sale. 
Excellent. What are some Where's of the, the nearest goals? <laughs> <laughs> um, what are some of the ingredients for a successful fundraising event? Hmm. So you've got to consider who will be attending. So the people that you have in the room during the event can be the difference between raising $1,000 or $10,000. So you've got to be really sure to consider who your target market is. Yeah. For example, a room full of 18 to 25 year olds. I don't want to generalise, but they probably will be there to drink them their money's worth of alcohol. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they likely don't have a lot of disposable income and they are just there. They've spent their money to be there with all their friends and they just want to have a good time. And look good. Yeah, and look good. Get lots of photos. That's usually the crowd for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, we're generalising, but, you know, most 18 to 25 Still in uni. Not won't, exactly. Yeah. There'll be university incomes. Yeah, so if your fundraising goal is to make a lot of funds, mm-hmm. that's probably not your target market. So you'd be targeting um, a bit higher. Some business professionals, people with ongoing jobs, particularly, for example, a charity that's related to kids, you would be probably targeting parents, but... Parents in business would be, you know, the perfect mix because they've probably got a bit more money, a bit more disposable income. Um, So another key ingredient to your fundraising event is sponsorship. So this helps keep overall expenses down and therefore increases your net profit. So that can be either straight out cash sponsorship or contra. So that's products, services, anything like that. See what venues and large suppliers may be able to support your event before you lock anything in. So don't be afraid to ask for discounts, basically. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time, venues are more than happy to work with you if you've got a specific budget in mind. And if you don't ask, you don't get. They can say no, but... Yeah, big venues are quite accommodating when it comes to um, fundraisers because a lot of the people that come through are just throwing corporate events. So when they've got that fundraising element, they may not do massive things. They may not do as much as you probably think that they should be doing, but they will move a little bit and that's, that's still a win. Only if you ask, though. And exactly. And have to ask. I always say to everyone, just play the card, play the charity card, play the, you know, we are working within X amount of dollars. Is there anything you can do? And yeah. when that fails, just say morning price. <laughs> what I say. Best price. <laughs> just like barley. Yeah, literally barley. Like morning <laughs> price. <laughs> so another thing to consider, which uh, I feel very strongly about because I've been to a few events that haven't done this well is to consider the format of the event. Oh, yeah. So if your main objective is to raise money, you need to allow time in the run sheet for that to happen. A good example of this is I recently went to a breakfast uh, event and they had a silent auction set up at the side of the room, some really great items, not one single break in formalities for people to get up and have a look. And the point of a silent auction is people have to get up, look, write down their bid on the bit of paper. If you, if you just keep going with formalities and never give people a chance, number one, to go to the toilet, but number two, to... <laughs> Get up and enjoy the fun fundraising opportunities. And I was just going to say, I know the event you're it talking won't about. Happen. I know the exact event you're talking about, Mel. And that event also had a really engaging panel group of panelists. So the formalities were good, like yeah. the kind that you want to leave. I'd have wasted a breakfast if you want to fundraise. But that event from start to finish was everything you don't do. They had quite an expensive venue. They hadn't really thought through how they were going to fill the room. They. In Again, terms of the guests, bums on seats versus yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. they committed to a minimum spend. They was very ambitious for a breakfast, right. very ambitious for an event run by non-event people. Also, mm-hmm. um, just through their networks, they were able to get some amazing panelists who, luckily for them, were speaking for free. Mm-hmm. But there were people that normally would charge for their time, and as Mel said, they had a silent auction set up. I couldn't tell you what was in that silent auction because there was never a polite break to go look at it. Yeah, like such had a shame. we, yeah, and had it was we, such a shame. Had we got up, I think we would have interrupted formalities because we were sitting near the front as well. 
It was awkward and because the silent auction was in the room, so you can't just get up while someone's talking. On silent auctions, always, always, always have a starting bid. So you fill in the very first, the first um, box and it says, or it says starting bid, say $50. Never, ever, ever leave that blank. Are you thinking faux reserve? Um, yeah, I guess. It's yeah. just a starting bid so yeah. that there's a jumping off point so people aren't starting at $1. Mm-hmm. And the other very, like, absolute... Non-negotiable is bidding increments. Always say you are going up in bidding increments depending on the value of the item. Tens or twenties or something. Fives, tens, twenties, fifties, hundred dollars. Because people will come in and you've got a $500 item and someone puts 501 and the next (laughs) person puts 502. And all of a sudden you're running out of bid sheets because they're just doing stupid bids on something that's worth a lot of money. So I see it all the time. People just forget. A lot of people think when they donate a silent auction item or they're looking to sell an auction item, oh, people surely would pay more than value for that because it's a charity. Uh-uh. People are there for a bargain. Correct. Whether you like it or not. Yes. They are there to get it for $1 more than the person before them. True. So yeah. I, I, sometimes I don't think they're thinking about the charity in that in that moment, which it's a great fundraising um, opportunity. You just have I to control the process. People don't think about the charity. I just think they don't think about the way that people operate when they're in that in that mind frame or mindset, and they just don't realise that they're going to be petty and mm. <laughs> do all these little try and. But you know what helps with that? Bidding technology, like those yeah. text to bid things. Yeah, because it manages the increments for you and it lets yeah. you know. The problem with that is it cuts possible. out older people. It cuts out the people that need their glasses and forgot <laughs> to bring them. It's true. Like people who are happen. over 60, they'll sit there and go, I don't know how to use this. I don't, I don't, I didn't bring my phone or my phone's in the car, whatever. Like you have to think Did about those have things. have a guy with yes. like a Nokia 5110 one yes, year who couldn't can, use the app? You can you get go. around it by having volunteers with iPads. iPads helping them out and that's how we get around it. It helps. I, think, I don't think you can not use the technology because of 5% of the room can't work out how to use it. Admittedly, those 5% probably have, have the, the money. money. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, I agree with that. But you cannot do both. You you can't Run. have sheets oh, and no. the website. No, no, no. So it has to be one or the but other. But I was going to say from a post-event admin perspective, having that bidding oh, yeah. tech is a game changer. Oh, yeah. Because I hate it. running out yeah. with with my ruler and my pen and ruling off at 11pm And it also, on the bid sheet. It, it also – like you might have – a few of the items in the room, but it alleviates having all of the items in the room, mm-hmm. which means collecting them all before the event, beautifully displaying them. You can have a beautiful picture and people never have to get up from their mm-hmm. seat. They can just look at the images. They can read the blurb. Big thanks. And We're doing it wrong. We still set up all yeah. the items because people I, do like to browse. And I see do. Them. I do personally. <laughs> yeah. But you don't have to these days. No. I was going to say, it point. also makes petty bidding quite easy because you don't have to get up from your chair at the event that you're at so you can just keep outbidding someone out of spite. Because yeah. I think it tells you who you've, who's outbid you. Well, if you're at a really good event, they'll put it on, on the screen. screen that's and right. then often yeah. you hear the cheers. I, the ones that I get <laughs> the biggest ones for is when I put in items like um, a, a year's supply of beer and it'll be 10 cartons of beer, which, you know, is a month's supply. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you see... They're usually two or three main bidders and they go up and up and up and every time they get the next one, yeah, you hear this cheer and it's like a random cheer in the room when nothing's going on on the stage. I was going to say, is it during like sort of in between meals? Yeah. And there's just a woohoo from the back of the room. Yeah. And they've just won the bid. People really like seeing their name on a big screen. I don't know what it is or their photo. Vanity. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I don't want to find out. Narcissism. (laughs) There are a lot of technologies you can use to help with fundraising these days and – 
the one we've been talking about, online auction sites have changed the marketplace for silent auction. And I really think, yes, there's always going to be some people who can't work it, but it, that's really about having enough volunteers in the room, enough backup mm-hmm. for people to work it. And examples of auction sites like that would be um, Gala Bid or companies called Givergy. They also will have auction items that you can have on consignment as well. So if you can't fill quite your quota of donated items, you can have some of theirs and take the profit of whatever is sold above the minimum rate. Yeah, and we all know that the tricky part about that is that the reserve is obviously going to the company that you're using to help you, but you've got to measure that up and weigh that up with the effort and the staff and the manpower. The first year we used this technology, we got really lucky. It happened to be, we've spoke about this before, the fight was the very next day between Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. No, I can't remember who it was, but it was a UFC fight anyway. Anyway, it was a really big deal and we happened to get signed gloves from those two and the reserve was something like $700 and it went for $7,000. Wow. Yeah, it was just right place, right time, happened to have the right memorabilia for the right event and people just got carried away bidding for it. So it can work out in your favour, but you just just have to keep in mind that you're going to have to pay that minimum Oh, yeah, other tech solutions sort of in the same vein as auction technology are text to donate um, So something like GiveEasy is a text-to-donate company and you can tie that in with your event or your campaign. And basically, you know, you have the collateral around in the room saying text this number and it donates. You can set it up to be whatever amount you yeah. want. And it will donate $5, 10 $20. Which means, again, you don't have to get up out of your seat or move at all, mm. which Sweet. I like. So you're just in the moment. And yeah. yeah. Hey, send a text. Yes. With it money. is worth saying though that the online auction sites you can run raffles through those yep. and donations as well. Yeah. So they're yeah, really, they're really versatile. They're a good catch-all for yeah. an event. Um, but text to donate yeah. is great if you're not doing an auction and you just want to use for donations, straight donations. Yeah. Cool. Um, automated raffle generators. What's so it just run. Uh, it just draws your raffle for you. So you don't need a uh, raffle gate, a raffle bucket with tickets. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't want to talk about that again. Automatically yeah. generate randomly a winning number. Yeah. Um, online ticketing sites are really useful, especially for like small businesses if you don't have the platform within your website or whatever you're using. Mm-hmm. Things like Eventbrite and Try, book, try Booking. Yeah, and Sticky, sticky tickets. tickets is one we use. Um, Ticket booth. Yep. There's lots of them. And then online peer-to-peer fundraising portals like Everyday Hero and GoFundMe. Um Fundraise now, register now. There's heaps. There's of so many ways just, to just going back to online ticketing sites. So you're saying that you can have a fundraising element attached to your ticketing options. Is that what you mean? You can actually also add a donation element when people buy the tickets. Yeah, which I think is a good point because yeah. they basically got their wallet open. Yeah, mm-hmm. twenty. They're putting bucks. their credit card number Put in, in anyway. Twenty bucks, <laughs> and it will go to yeah, it'll go directly to counselor. the charity, and it, you can have the charity's profile page pop up at the at the same time. Mm. Good idea. Mm-hmm. What else do we need to put it now? Uh, fundraising events cake. Um, I think asking for the best deal possible. Mel's so good at this. <laughs> <laughs> I. It's frustrating because people will say, "Wow, I can't believe you know you spend so much on such and such." You have no idea <laughs> how hard I haggle every supplier. You basically, again, if you don't ask, you don't get. So, what's the best rate you can give us? Sometimes they'll, you know. Wineries will say, look, the best we can do is, you know, buy three, get two cases free. Whatever it is, it's still saving us money. And, you know, it might be obvious, but the more costs you cut, you increase profit. And again, that comes back down. If the main objective of your event is to raise money, you have to think of ways to cut your expenses. It's all about dollars and cents, guys. Yes. So 
I think also in the fundraising cake is really important to think outside the box. So coming up with new fun ways to raise money is always going to be more successful. You know, people, there are... It's also risky. It is, you're right. And the post-event admin for new things like that is crazy (laughs) sometimes. And I was going to say people, I'm generalising here, but people that go to fundraising events often go to lots of them. So Mm. they've probably seen almost every kind of fundraising mechanism you can think of. So if you can come up with something a bit more innovative and they haven't seen it before... I think it might stick in their mind a bit better. It spins me out the amount of people that haven't heard Tiny Holly's jokes. I know. When you're still when you're in a room full of people and you still hear the whole room crack up and you think this one's coming. Even me, I've heard the the jokes five, six, seven times. There's none in this room that haven't heard the jokes. Yeah, but I still laugh. Like (laughs) his delivery is just gone. I often think I could get up and give his spiel. Could you please? (laughs) (laughs) Memorable, 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 memorable. Sign stuff. A good example of thinking outside the box, I I went to an event recently and I really liked their idea that you would buy a glass of French champagne for whatever the price was, $10, $20, and there was a diamond in one of the glasses. So that was their equivalent of a raffle, which I really loved that idea. Mm. Because you get something for it as well as just getting a ticket. As long as you don't drink it. (laughs) Go easy. If you're going to neck it, you're in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's an, an example of thinking outside the box. Yeah, one we did last year at an event which was all about women supporting women was a sparkly dip, which was pretty much a lucky dip um, where we had it, we were sponsored by a jewellery maker and she did little boxes that had various pieces of her jewellery, each valued at $100. Um, I can't remember how much we sold the tickets for. I think it was... I think we sold the tickets for $100 and the jewellery was worth $100 or more. And you could win the big, big piece as well. That's right. So it was a lucky dip or sparkly dip. (laughs) And yeah, so many people went because they got something. Obviously, they got a beautiful piece of jewellery either way. Mm -hmm. But you went in the draw to win the big prize. It sold out, I remember, very fast. Yes, it did. I lined up for one and never got one. Sold out before I got there. Because I was busy helping wrap them out the bag. (laughs) When I find my event life, you can have it. I know. (laughs) So I think the last thing to consider is to make sure you have clear goals for the fundraiser and they should be communicated to potential attendees really clearly. You want your attendees to know what they're going to be expecting to a point. They don't want to be, if they're expecting a fun night out with a little push for giving, but you're holding an auction for most of the evening, tell them. And even things like bringing cash on the night if you don't have FPOS facilities. Yeah, so important. Like there's there's a fundraiser that we go to every year and it really drives me crazy. Even though I know <laughs> that it's going to be like this every year, you just get yelled at for the entire event because the auction goes for the entire event. Oh. It's raising money for a small community um, organisation and everyone knows, like everyone who goes there is supporting it, but I just, I just don't enjoy it because I just, I just feel yelled at the whole time. And that's hard. I think that's a good point to consider is – Major auctions, it's usually about 10% of the room who can participate and it's pretty boring and unpleasant for the other 90% of the room. Yeah. So you don't want it to go for too long. Yeah, we I we actually cap a- our items to not have too many. Yeah, that's a good idea. I, th- I think this organisation should look at a few things that they could tweak to just make it a little bit more enjoyable for that 90% of the room that aren't involved. Maybe a little bit more breaks and maybe different ways of auctioning because most of it is live auction live or major auction is is definitely the most in your face overt sort of fundraising it it makes it hard for the people who can't afford to participate to enjoy the night 
yeah. outside of it. Yeah. Unless you have with your items, you have a really good entertainment basis behind the way you showcase each item. So maybe you're using um, screens with little short videos or you've got entertainers coming in as part of the item. There's lots of different things that you can do to make it more entertaining for the rest yeah. of the room. And probably make more profit because you're um, showcasing the items better. There you go. But that is the beauty of the silent auction is that it can happen subtly in the background the entire night. People who are into it can be into it, but it doesn't affect the rest of the guests enjoying the and event. And it's still pretty easy for the MC to just to politely prompt people yeah. when there's a chance, like, you know, go look at the silent auction items and that sort of thing. Mm. I also just thought of something else um, in terms of the goals of the fundraiser. Even though your objective is to fundraise, don't forget that your guests are still coming for an experience and you want them to have the best experience they can possibly have. Mm-hmm. So when you're planning the event, always keep that in mind. And that's a good point on us saying cut costs and make sure your you know, costs are as low as possible. You have to remember that <laughs> people are paying a premium to come to the event. You have to deliver a premium product. What I'm saying is you want to get the best value for money yes. and do things the most efficient way possible. But don't scrimp on quality because because it will affect your guest sales in the future. Because if you're charging $300 for a ticket, yes, it would save you money to serve Passion Pop, but probably <laughs> don't do that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Also, try and mix it up. You can, like, If you're doing the same venue and the same format every single year, people are going to get bored. They sure are. Mm-hmm. So if you can switch it up, <laughs> switch up the venue, switch up the talent, switch up the way that you present whatever whatever the fundraising have different chairs go crazy that's your idea of going crazy (laughs) different chairs (laughs) (laughs) so it's really important to remember the legalities around fundraising as well though because if you're not doing it right whether you're in the charity or you're a third party a company or just a really motivated person raising money for the charity if you're not doing it right you can jeopardize the tax deductible status of the charity before we get into the legalities of oh, fundraising, sorry. no, 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 you're right. Um, I'm just going to do a disclaimer for all three of us. Oh, yeah. None of us are lawyers. <laughs> none of us are accountants. All, we're giving you sort of broad advice, but always check with the relevant um, industry body website, usually website. ATO. I think it's really important. If you are a third party fundraiser, so someone in the community that's picked a charity and you're fundraising for them, that's amazing. Please make sure you tell the organisation that you are holding a fundraiser for them. Because no brainer, we yes, can help. That you'd be surprised how often the charity has no idea that it's going on. Yeah. So sponsors, anyone you approach, actually may ask for a letter of authority to fundraise, which the charity will provide you. You need to be able to quote their charitable collections license number uh, when asking for stuff to make sure that it's legit. So if you haven't approached the charity, you're not going to have that. And of course, you want to have their support because they they're also usually happy to help you. With further information, tips and tricks. They may the, even provide staff. Yeah, the proper logos, volunteers, yeah, collateral, signage for the event. But essentially, remember, the more legit it looks, the, the more, more money you're going to raise. Is it illegal to use a charity's logo without their permission? I don't know if it's illegal as such, but I think it's probably not really, best practice. Really, really bad form. I don't know if it's illegal. Well, I suppose if you look at it from a commercial point of view, it's absolutely illegal to put McDonald's logo on something that they didn't sponsor. It's more illegal if they don't give us the money after as well. Yes. Many of your guests at the event will also probably ask for tax deductible receipts, which is a lot of people's, not their main motivator, but a reason that they will donate. Exactly. Is that you can get a tax deductible receipt to use at tax time. You cannot get those things without the charity knowing that you are fundraising for them. And if you turn up after the event and say, we had this event, all these people donated money, we need receipts, nah, 
That's Too not bad. going to happen. Exactly. Because it puts the charity in jeopardy if we start handing out receipts yep. willy-nilly. If we don't have proof, if the charity does not have proof that the money came in, they will not issue a tax deductible receipt because it can seriously jeopardise. Charities get audited all the time. And if something is not going on, something that's not right is found, it can really jeopardise our ability to fundraise. So in terms of common things people ask for receipts for, and I don't want to talk about tax too much because it's not a tax podcast, thank God. It's not very sexy, are No. But um, (laughs) so a lot of, I guess, common mistakes people make with receipts is a lot of people think, you know, the price of a ticket is tax deductible. It is not. People think anything that is... Charity, charity yeah. is tax deductible. So basically it's tax deductible if you don't receive anything in return. It has yeah. to be literally a gift. A gift. So really that is just donations. Yeah, because sponsorship, you're getting something in return. Raffle, raffle, raffle auction. Everything. Yeah. Keep that in mind when you're um, promising that. But the charity, if you're working with them in the lead up to the event, will probably clarify that as well for you. Yeah. And they'll definitely help you with – because, you know, if you're having a third-party event and you're not really an event person or a, char- a fundraiser, you might not think to keep a record of everyone that donated on the day. Therefore, how would you get them receipts? Because I've been to um, one of those biggest morning teas, which is, you know, one of Australia's biggest third-party fundraising campaigns. And they were actually really well organised because they had the receipt book and someone writing all the receipts as it was happening. But that can often get forgotten on the day. Yeah, and if you've gone to the charity and let let them know that you're fundraising for them, they will provide you with something like that more than likely. Exactly. So another thing to think about if you're thinking of fundraising for a charity is raffle or lottery permits. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's a big trap. I know. This (laughs) is something that a lot of people, especially small businesses Mm -hmm. or people who just have a really kind heart and want to do good, don't think about. 99.9% of the time, everyone's heart is in the right place when they do something like this. So the general rule I use is, and again, disclaimer, please check the Department of Racing, Gaming and Liquor website if you are actually running a raffle because these um, parameters change quite often. But the general rule is if your prize is worth more than $1,000, you need a permit for a raffle. If you're selling tickets on the same day and the prize does not exceed $2,000, then you may get away with not having a permit. Um, But generally over a thousand, I would be looking into whether you need a permit or not. And they can be applied for online. However, keep in mind, it takes at least two working weeks. So if you haven't allowed that approval time before the event, you're going to be in trouble. What about auction items? No. No. Raffle, you only need a permit for raffle lottery. Or lottery. So it's classed as a lottery, which is why you need it. Okay. And the fastest way to tell whether someone does not have a permit or not you are not allowed to sell tickets at different values. And a good example of this is one for 50 or three for 100. Which so many people so many don't people know. Do, and they, they offer them. And that is the quick way that we can tell that they, they haven't, haven't actually. Applied. Either they haven't got a permit or they haven't read the paperwork that goes along with it. Mm. So make sure that you're across that. If you're raffling something more than 1000 or $2,000, you definitely need to look into permits. It's a and very old school concept, isn't it? That one for 20, three for. Yeah. Because yeah. again, the person running the raffle is trying to offer value to the punter. Yeah. And, you know, we all like a bargain. So so if you're, if you're raffling something obviously under $1,000, that's fine. And a quiz night, you often see that. Yeah. You know, it's a hamper of luxury foods and wines and it's $5 or three for 20. Yeah. The reasoning behind it is that everybody that's in the draw needs to have paid the same amount for that chance. It's more about fairness and yeah. yeah fairness and equality. And you can often get audited by RGL. So yes. it seems almost like it would never happen. But recently it has happened to one of our third-party fundraisers. They get audited. They luckily, and good on them, had all their permits and everything in order. Mm -hmm. 
But, you know, I used to think surely they would never bother to audit a raffle. Mm. They do. And other things to keep in mind, if you have run a raffle that needed a permit, people don't realise you have to keep all unsold tickets as well. To keep everything. Sold ticket butts, unsold ticket butts, and obviously clearly labelled the winning ticket butt and how it was drawn. Keeping all the butts. Yep. To keep all the butts. Okay, so what are our top tips for fundraising? Are we taking the cake out of the oven? Yep. Tip one, match the fundraising mechanisms to who will be in attendance at your event. Tip two, keep overall expenses down and therefore increase net profit through cash and contra sponsorship. Tip three, consider the format of the event and therefore the time required for each fundraising activity. Tip four, consider tech solutions for your fundraising. Tip five, think outside the box. Always come up with something creative. And tip six, make sure the organisation knows that you are fundraising for them so that you can seek advice on what permits and authorities that you need. Cool. We really hope that these um, that this episode and these tips help you with fundraising because it's one of the most important events event types that we do. Absolutely. It really helps our community. We definitely encourage and acknowledge all the people that are out there doing things from the bottom of their heart and making a difference in the community so that we hope that um, the advice that we've given today can really help you to do it the right way. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Jump on our Instagram page or if you're loving it even more, hit subscribe and leave us a review. We might even read it out. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. For your chance to have your questions answered or join our conversation, jump into our Facebook group, Behind the Clipboard Podcast, and follow us on Instagram at Behind the Clipboard Podcast. Bye.